This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome everyone, thanks for joining the To Back podcast, back again after the World Cup to discuss all things Hull City, proudly sponsored by Six Yards Out and Pearson's Bar. I'm your host, Nathaniel, and tonight we're joined by Matt and Tom. So, guys, how are we, and are we looking forward to talking about something other than the World Cup? Yes. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Well, yeah, I mean, the discussion point for this evening will be back to all City, so... We'll make a judgment on whether or not that's positive or negative, pal. It's probably negative. I mean, you know, we've had some good years, but this season, I think, I mean, we are still 21st, aren't we? We've had some good years. Good years. Good but, years. Um, not, the club hasn't died, mate. Right? No. no. Still going. But, uh, I mean, we've got a good owner. Um, he was pictured at the World Cup final along with Fresenia, so hopefully they've learned a thing or two. Um, about how to, you know, play exciting attacking football, which is what Ajahn wants. I'm sure he had a lovely time at the World Cup final. We'll mention it briefly. Um, are we all happy for Messi to win the World Cup? Because yeah, I, I certainly it. am. Yeah, I was buzzing with that. I think before the tournament, I said I predicted Argentina to win it, but I did a bet where it was Argentina to win it and Harry Kane top scorer. And I was actually, I was tossing and between him and Mbappe, which seems ridiculous now, but obviously mm. Mbappe, you know, top scorer, Patrick in the final, so well, I yeah, predicted the same thing. Game. Yeah, yeah, oh, did you? All right, you well, took I mean, big shots, all right. Uh, uh, Joel did um, a uh, predictor lead league sort of thing, and I predicted um, Kane to be top scorer and um, Argentina to win, but really the Kane one was more a uh, from the heart, not from the mind. Yeah, that was that was what it was. Mm-hmm. I thought he smashed yeah. the group stage to be fair, scored like six goals, and then mm. it didn't happen. Well, I thought he'd yeah. do that at the Euros and he didn't. But yeah, it's a shame, really. It, but it's yeah. still a, it was a fantastic it, tournament. It, yeah, it was on that point. It was it was a phenomenal tournament. We talk about the the antics off the pitch, and and that's something that you know loads of people have commented on. But in, just in terms of football, it was the best World Cup I've seen. I've watched them since two thousand six, um, and just. There was a few nil nils in the group stages, but then ev- there was upset. There was great goals. The the final, yes, there was unbelievable. Yeah. Just as you thought, Argentina were just going to roll away with it. Happy days and the best player in the world at the moment. And Mbappe comes in with his with two goals in ninety seconds. It was phenomenal. Um, I've, I was glued to me to me to me screen. I was screaming. I was yeah, everything. I was... It it was it was the, one of the best games of football I've ever seen and arguably the best World Cup final there's ever been. It was it was out out of this world and to the point I'm happy with Messi, yes, chuff for him because 
you know, it's it's the one thing he's he's not been able to win and he's won it. And it's um, <laughs> says it's just it bas- it's a full circle for him. If people didn't think he was the best player ever to have ever lived, then this is the nail in the coffin in that argument, in my opinion. Some people yeah, may there's... disagree. Some people might think no. King Lewis Potter was the best player of all time. Well, and they would be wrong. I mean, I don't. Oh, really all right, Longman. Well, I, I would say that. Although, no, I'm, my whole thing is that he's going to become the best player in the world, but he hasn't hasn't been yet. I mean, at the moment, it's Mason Mount, as we all know. Um, so, uh, but it was a, a great tournament. Two um, 0 the most dangerous scoreline in football, as Burnsy would say. Um, you know, that sort of proved true um, almost in the end for uh, France and Argentina. Um, but let, let's get off that. Get on to the more important stuff. Uh, the stuff that we're here for. Hull City have come back uh, with a draw um, against Watford and then another draw against Sunderland. Um, one good clean sheet um, and in the second game, a lovely finish from Ozan Tufan. I think I was very happy with the result at Watford um, getting a clean sheet against a team that's uh, got a lot of um, exciting attacking players. I know um, uh, Ismail Asar wasn't there because he was still with family after the um, World Cup ended and England beat uh, Senegal. But then uh, slightly more disappointed with our result against uh, Sunderland. So really, um, I'll start with you, Tom. Uh, a 0-0 at Watford, bit boring perhaps, but uh, that's a good result, isn't it? I actually felt it wasn't too much of a boring game. So I went to it um, and to be honest, you, before the game, you see 0-0 against a, a, char- a side challenging for promotion. Um, and you think, God, oh, that's a great result. But with a pattern, how the game you know, sort of played out, um, I felt there was a point in the game around the 60th minute where I was going for it. And then um, I think Rossini made the decision to sort of go more conservative by bringing on two defenders. Um, and although it was probably the right decision in the grand scheme of things, I felt it was a time when we had them in the game where I was attacking well and I felt that goal was coming. But um, I guess it was probably the, the right decision to sort of shut up shop and you know take the point. Because obviously it's a, it's a great point to get, you know, it's one I, I didn't expect us to get before the game, mm-hmm. to be honest. Well, I think um, everyone on my uh, preview, um, so me and two Watford fans, we all predicted, I think, uh, a Watford win or a 2-0 Watford win. So, yeah, a clean sheet was definitely a surprise there. Um, do you think that, um, I mean, I'm going back to uh, when we had uh, Slutsky and we were conceding too many goals and Adkins had to sort of make it all boring again and, grind out some you know one nils and nil nils do you think it's a case that especially with our poor defensive record um we've seen it with two clean sheets under the senior already and uh i mean against sunderland we weren't we scored a bit we weren't exactly free-flowing um is it a case that we sort of need to you know be more solid at the back and then slowly the attacking play will get better uh, do you agree with that matt yeah, I totally agree with that point. Totally agree with it. Look, we had we had the most conceded goals in the league when Rossini took over. Um and I'm not too sure where we are now, but we're we're obviously near the top of that list. We may even still be top. It was it's the most it was it was like so obvious what we needed to do. We needed to shut up shop and he actually needed to get the team defending again. I mean, Jesus Christ, it took so so many so many games. I mean even just the, the first the first game when he played played Millwall and we got the nil nil it was it was a really really good thing for fans and for the teams actually said we've got that in us to keep a clean sheet now I absolutely agree that the, it's it, you you build from the back and then ultimately the hope for that leads to a goal I think that we'll come on to um, the Sunderland game later on but it was a case of like we 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 looked you know fairly respectable on the ball and against Watford I think that it was actually a sensible decision to to sort of make defensive substitutions you know Tom I think there's you know the course of the game I think that yeah there was that little spell um but I just felt that you know as the game went on I think if you didn't make those decisions at that point then you knew just they were going to get back into the game and probably would have scored one and knowing City would have conceded three so I think it is a case of building from the back building that confidence you know, we've got some young, good defenders in that side that need a bit of confidence. Um, and I'm just very glad that that's been addressed. Although, you then look at how um, we looked going forward and it was a bit stop-start, a bit stale in both the Watford game and the Sunderland game. So, it's it's the, it's the hardest thing in football scoring goals. Um, but at least he's addressed one problem so far. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think the catalyst to the, that change has been... The introduction of Sean McLaughlin, or one of the catalysts, and obviously Matt Ingram's in goal. Great shot, shot stopper. Not sure about how he is with the ball at his feet, 
But I think in terms of stopping stopping goals, which is what he's paid to do, I think he's, he's done a great job and he's made some crucial saves in the last two games um, that have sort of kept us in it, really. Well, or at least kept the score at you know, uh, a minimum. So, But I think Sean McLaughlin coming in, he's someone that we know can play with the ball at his feet. We, you know, we've seen it numerous times and I think it was only a matter of time before he was given his chance. And obviously with this break, it's, it's done him good because it's given him a chance to sort of Gets to know Rossini and gets to know you know the system again and sort of like integrate him into the into the side and I think he's he's sort of took his chance now. Um, and do obviously, you think, do you think Ingram was at fault for Sunderland's goal? I think it was a mix up between. I think it was more the defence to be honest. I think he's. I think if he was a bit more proactive off his line and I sort of anticipated the ball coming over the top, he would have read it and sort of cleared it, but he sort of hesitated and then did a weird jump to try and stop, you know, try to block it. And yeah, I think for, for me, for me, I looked at that goal and I was just, I was just appointed because yeah, it was a it, defensively, you looked at the entire game as a whole and we looked fairly all right. And then, you know, there's all, there was all, there's always moments in football when like, you know, the best defenders look terrible and it's just the way the game is, but we looked okay. And it was that, and it was that, again, that goal we always can see where it's a mistake or somebody's not quite there. And it just frustrates me because, you know, you think about what Rossini's tried to do. I said it there that, you know, building from the back and all that stuff. And it was, again, like, I felt he came forward, then he stopped, then he went back, then he tried to retreat more, and then he jumped. And it was just like, that's four decisions made in about four seconds. And I just thought if it would have been... If it had just been pretty sure about the ball coming over, it had just gone in there, headed the ball clear, would have been fine. If it had stayed on his line, there was defenders that were kind of there that may have helped and he may have scored. But it was that awful in-between one where I genuinely, I thought he he particularly was at fault for that goal. Obviously, the defence could have been a bit better, but I agree with the point. He's a good shot stopper. But I said in a few podcasts ago, we need to invest in a goalkeeper. Baxter's not good with his feet. Ingram's not good with his feet at all. I just think that that needs to be like a real thing that we need to look at in January because we talk I said again building from the back Rossini is wanting us to play like a top six team where we're trying to pass it out from the back and we're trying to do that sort of style of play we can't do that with the goalkeepers we've got unfortunately do you opinion. think that Lutatala would get a chance I've heard that he's pretty good at the ball with his feet or do you think if, if he was good enough he'd have been given a chance already Kid's 19 isn't he 18 19 yeah. like he's yeah, he's not ready well you know You've got some of the best goalkeepers, like Donna Rumors, one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and he was playing for Milan when he was 18, 19. But that was a, an anomaly, really. I think that, you know, if you've got two goalkeepers, one who's on loan from, you know, one of the top teams in the Premier League, another one that's been in the Championship for many years, you know, if I'm Liam Rossini, I'm thinking that those two are, between them, acceptable for, for what we've got yeah. right now. I won't bring in the, the young lad in, but I think ultimately, you know, even though we've got three goalkeepers... I still don't think, in terms of the style we want to play, they're good enough to to kind of justify their position long term for all City under Liam Rossini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to go back to your previous point, Tom, uh, we are the worst defensive team by six goals, but we're not the joint worst in the whole country anymore. There are two teams worse in League One, so so that's something because at one point we were the worst in the country. Yeah. So I guess Rossini has improved us a little bit. And thinking about goalkeepers. Uh, I mean, um, looking at these notes I've made, these were some that I made just after the Watford game. Uh, one was that Tufan um, had a very shocking miss, really, or um, blazed over the bar when he should have scored. Is Tufan, you know, something about him not being uh, having a lot of end product? And then, of course, he scored a great goal against Sunderland. And similarly, I put, um, should we keep Ingram over Baxter? Because he made some great saves against Watford and then makes a mistake against Sunderland. So, you know, so much for my notes. Uh, but I think really... It's not worth um, replacing uh, Ingram or Baxter with Lotitalo if he's good on the ball because uh, it's not quite like we're Man City. I know Edison gets a bit of criticism because um, he doesn't really make a lot of great saves, but he's good with his feet. We don't have a defence as good as that. We, we concede a lot of shots, so I think a shot stopper like Ingram or Baxter is probably the way forward, and, and we'll get onto it towards the end of the podcast, what we need in January, but already it sounds like we need... Uh, a goalkeeper but then as you said Sean McLaughlin's come in um who knows if it's just been down to him that we've got a clean sheet and only scored uh conceded one in two games but it's uh, a surprise it took so long for him to come back in so uh Tom um you, you were at the Watford game just how well did McLaughlin play yeah I think he just added a calming presence to the team um it's something that we've missed 
think he's someone that can bring out the ball from the back and he's assured on the ball. I think that, that's the main thing and he's got a good passing range as well. So I think in order to build attacks, where have I figured in the past sort of constantly give the ball away, you know, in dangerous areas, at least we've got someone now there that is comfortable on the ball and he's able to sustain and recycle attacks. I think that's that's the key. Um, that The main thing I noticed about the Watford game after the break was how more comfortable looks in possession of the ball. I think there was times, you know, before the break and before Rossini's reign where we, we sort of looked hurried, looked panicked. But I think now we've got the sort of players like Seri in there that can sort of recycle possession well. He's able to get out with these tight areas and I think he's he's the sort of key player in that team that can get us ticking forward. Um, he re- very rarely makes an error. Um, and, yeah, he's, I think he's sort of someone that's flourishing Rossini's system because it suits him more, the sort of passing style. And, you know, possession-based sort of uh, style where there's no in between. I think moving forward, I think that's sort of what will, what will work for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we moved on to um, back to the MKM. Uh, we bottled the uh, Rach Carter Trophy. Um, for people who didn't know, um, of course, it's 20 years that the MKM has been around um, in its various iterations. Um, and the first ever team we played, I think, was Sunderland and a friendly. And at that game, uh, Rach Carter, I think, was an old player who used to play for Hull and Sunderland, maybe, um, or was maybe born yeah. in Hull. Um, He's the best player then... in um, Sunderland's history. Like he was, he was phenomenal for All them, right. and then joined us towards the sort of latter stages of his career. I think he took us to an <laughs> FA Cup quarter final and, and and a league title as well. Well, certainly got us promoted. But yeah, one of their best players. They, they've got like a, an arena in Sunderland named after him. Yeah, he was phenomenal right. for them. Yeah, thanks for the insider knowledge there. Um, so we didn't get the trophy because uh, that was what we were competing for um, um, on the 20th anniversary of the stadium. Um, what did we expect going into this game? Because I thought, I, mean, I suppose the point isn't too terrible. It's two, uh, you know, two games we haven't lost and we have lost a lot of games this season. But I think it's um, they said the commentators on FIFA always say it's disappointing when you don't uh, win at home um, any time. So uh did we expect a little bit more, uh, Tom? Um, uh, to be fair, going into the game, I knew that we're sort of possession-based team now, and I knew, like looking at Sunderland's previous games and what I've heard from other Sunderland fans, that they're sort of pre- pressing side. And it was unfortunate against West Brom, apparently, to not sort of um, score more than they did in the first half. And I felt that 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 would be the point where we'd struggle because Sunderland know that we're trying to play out from the backs of the presses, and there was points in the game where instead of just sort of getting the ball out, we'd, we'd sort of fanny about of it in our own half and sort of pass it around the back line and I felt we sort of like lost some momentum going forward I think um, there was times in the game as well where Ingram could have got the ball out quicker but instead he let sort of Sunderland re- reset get back into shape and sort of lost that momentum there and then it wasn't until they got a man sent off where we showed more impetus going forward because Sunderland lost their press they sort of mm-hmm. naturally dropped back and that's how we sort of uh you know, looks looks obviously look better going forward because was taking the game to him more instead of just sort of passing it around and not really showing much purpose. But yeah, I, I sort of expected us to struggle against the press. I think it's still a work in progress. You know, Rossini's sort of passing game, and I think until we get that right, it's it's going to be a struggle in quite a lot of games, especially against teams that are pressed. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? Is it a, a point gained from um, you know being down, or is it two points dropped because they had a we had a penalty and a and they had a red card. Yeah, I mean, the course of the game suggests that we should have won. Um, chances, referee with some poor decisions. Um, as you say, the red card and the penalty. I mean, after the game now, you thought, oh, we should have won that game. I think I'd love to see how Rossini reacts when we continue playing the way we do and it gets to February and we're still around the relegation zone. I wonder if he sticks with how he wants us to play rather than just like, Getting getting points on the board because mm. I think ultimately this the way we the way we're currently trying to play is is a risk and a and very much a trying to think of a way to to describe it it's it's one of them ones where you've got to work on it a lot for it to go right and have the right players for it to go right and at the moment we kind of don't so therefore it's going to be a big January so I'm just quite in, quite intrigued to see how that goes but yeah overall the game. I think that a lot of us thought that of the two games we mentioned tonight with Sunderland and Watford, I think Watford were very happy with the point and yet having seen the Sunderland game, disappointed with the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What did we think of the referee's performance? Because this was uh, Gavin Ward, the same referee of the uh, the Reading match, where he was fairly terrible. Um, he did give us a penalty and did give a, a red card to Sunderland. But I mean, I think even those decisions were somewhat debatable. I think looking at them, though, I can see why they've been given. So, uh, what did we think? Was it as bad as the Reading game? You could see why they've been given. I mean, well, the penalty. Blind, yeah. Steve, Stevie Wonder could have seen why they've been given. They, they were the most mm. stonewall red card and penalty I've ever seen. Like he absolutely clattered into them for the penalty, and the and the and the red card was unbelievably obvious. I think what does my head in is that you know you, you looked at the decisions, and there's I think there's a compilation on Twitter of the referees' decisions. Mm. I, I saw I saw like a I think it's like a six minute video. Sadly, I watched that. And it was just there was some way you thought you know what fair enough, but at the majority were really like poor, and it like that you know they talked about it afterwards. They talked about it on Humberside. It was just a lot of poor decisions that affected the game, affected the flow of the game, the decisions that were made. There was there was decisions in there that you just thought, what is this? What is this guy doing? And it was it's so frustrating because some referees are so good and let the play go on and they don't yell at car people and they just do everything right. You get to a game like it was on the weekend where just completely like ruined the, the, the game itself. It was it was such a shame because you thought that if some of those decisions would have correctly gone our way, we would have we would have won that game and uh, and therefore it was it was tough to take. So I was disappointed with the referee overall, mate. It was um yeah, it was a poor it was a poor display. So do we need VAR in the championship then? Absolutely not. I, I I agree with that. I agree. Um, I'm just playing devil's advocate, really. I don't. But you you make your point, T, and I'll uh, I'll jump in. It's to be fair, right? Um, with the that that red card, I think that's the fair, one of the first times in I don't know however long that I've seen a player get stretched off and receive a red card at the same time. Probably ever. Mm. That was that was just there. Yeah. I was just sort of, sort of when he got on the stretch, I was sort of hoping the referee would bottle it, but obviously he pulled out his red card, so I was happy with that. Obviously, it was a still more red card to be fair. Mm. But, because yeah. of course he came out uh, off worse. Um, just saw on Sunderland's Twitter page that he's going to be out for a few months. So, you know, hopefully the injury wasn't too bad. So I think he was in a neck brace and a knee brace. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it doesn't I mean, serve him right for the bad tackle. But yeah, the, ta- the tackle itself. I mean, are you surprised? He's seen how he high. Mm. He's seen how high he's his tried, foot was. <laughs> he tried to. He's tried to switch in music. Him. Like, it's like, it's like, I mean? uh, like Nigel De Jong from. All I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a terrible. I don't know what was going on in his head. It was a shocking tackle. And the point on VAR, right? I just think that there's there's some there's a lot more fouls in the EFL. There's a lot more decisions. So I, I agree with the point. If you were going to make it that it, VAR is something that may like stop stop the game, the flow of the game, etc. You know, I can I can vouch for that because like I said, there's not more fouls, but. Some of those decisions today, somebody in his ear just needs to say, "Wake up, man!" Because mm-hmm. it was do it was all the fans, even looking on Sunderland fans' Twitter, they were saying that the referee was on their side. Very, how ready? How often do you hear that? Uh, They're yeah. waiting, thinking they've got overlook. It was, it was beyond a joke. And I think that if there's somebody in the, their, your ear who can just say, you know what, like that's that's potentially one. But he's got two linesmen there and a fourth official that are all mm-hmm. in his ear yeah. as well. So then again, what? My point there may be just a nonsense point because this between the four of them, they should have been able to see quite a few of those decisions that happen. Um, so yeah, just really disappointed. And the only the only reason why I'd, I'd sort of vouch for VAR in the in the EFL is to try and stop these nonsense decisions from happening. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I don't really think it would help a whole lot, especially as um, a lot of the decisions are about the flow of the game, just the little free kicks here and there, but but really, VAR doesn't even, you know, judge on those things, but we yeah. don't want to get into another VAR cesspit, so uh, Oscar Estepinian, he's our top goal scorer, um, he has just come back, um, I mean, he should really be fresh, because he's not played a lot, um, and everyone's had a month off, really, so I don't know whether this is a, a great excuse, but um, came in with a lot of expectation and he started very well, but his form recently has been fairly dire. He had a huge chance to, you know, score from the penalty, put it wide. So, uh, Oscar Estepinian, what's gone wrong, Tom? 
I just, it's really hard to say what's what's gone wrong because he's sort of this sort of striker that relies on service into the box. Mm-hmm. And when you don't give him that service, his obviously confidence is going to get lower. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's a sub, sub, subsequently, his confidence has dropped that low that he's managed to put that penalty wide. Um, and I just feel like maybe I'd say he needs some time at the firing line, but I think he's, he's only just come back. So I think, I don't know. Mm. I don't think we'll play to his strengths there. That's that's the sort of thing. He's he's someone that's he's great when you get the ball in the box, but he's not good on the ball. He's not really that good at holding it up, and he's not that sort of linking striker. Is that is that one that's going to finish the chances off? But if we're not playing like that, we're playing as more of a fluid front three like Longman, mm. uh, Slater, and you know and Kerr, I think he's someone that doesn't really fit into that system. I think we look look much better when Longman's up front, because um, he, he makes some great runs in behind, um, and yeah. I'm happy you said that, but uh, even so, we've got you know this this very high caliber striker. You'd expect him to do better. We always seem to sign strikers and then don't play to their strengths. Um, is it some sort of cruel joke maybe that we're doing? Because you know he, he really needs the service. So, um, Matt, what are you surprised at his lack of form? No, um, I was just typing in there what his runner games has been. He scored hmm. one goal since August, lads. Well, yeah, one I'll, goal. I'll, give me a moment. I'll look at all the games he's not scored in. So I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm there. It's so he's he's not scored. So he scored one goal. That was against Wigan when we won. And the other hmm. games he's played in, he's played a few ninety minutes, and then a few have been sort of like um, off the bench. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 14. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. Fourteen yeah. games. One goal. Yeah, he's still the second top scorer, I think, in the champ. Yeah, yeah it's like he's got that barnstorming stuff. I think that's the that's the, that's the thing that that is frustrating. I think it frustrates all City fans is that when he came in and he's scoring all these goals, you thought, flipping it, this is a great player. We know we, well, he can do it. Yeah, we know he can do it. He's scored. He's got all types of goals. He scored. He's got penalties. He scored goals. His head. He's powered through defenders. Lashed it in. Mm. It was great. And then. It's been such a shame to see kind of the, the drop off um, because, you know, when you're in a team and you've got that sort of um, the, the manager changes and he almost plays like we almost plays like like Steven Gerrard, but he plays for Villa because what Villa do is they rely on like a Coutinho to have a great game and therefore they all have mm-hmm. a great game. And the reason why he lost his job and the reason why Villa has struggled as of late um, before Emery was because Coutinho was off form. And yeah. therefore, the entire team suffered. Like we played towards having to to basically, if our best player isn't good, then we we lose games, and or we don't score. And this is the same here. Like he scored, he scored seven goals in his opening what six games, and then he scored yeah. one in his last fourteen, since, and his last goal, and his like I say one since August. It's poor. It's not good. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's um, what Rossini has got to do, and that's this is probably his biggest his biggest test really, because showing up. The defence, yes, it's it's a task in itself, but you'd argue that as a former defender and somebody who's played in plenty of systems, he would be able to do that. It's about unlocking that from sort of five, six, particularly Oscar Estepinion, because we know his quality, having seen it at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. So he's got to do something about it because there is a real player in there. He just needs to unlock him. I do think that with, uh, with the fact that Ali Art and Tete has been injured, I think that Oscar sort of got off the boil a lot more. I think when when they was all fit, that's when Oscar looked at his best. Ali Amrod him down the right side, explosive, Teddy as well, bullying defenders, getting crossed into the box. I think them three was a four, like four middle bullet at the start of the season. And then obviously when they both get injured, I think and then we've got, you know, two changes of manager. I think Oscar's just not adapted to these this new mm-hmm. system well. But I think once we get Teddy and Ali Ar back, I think that's when you could see the best from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd I'd jump on that and I'd say that I, the best game I've seen him play, we, in my opinion, was we lost five two. Yeah, West Brom. Yeah, was yeah. but West Brom. But and, and he, the the two goals he scored it was on the end of a cross, which is a really good move. Teddy, I think, provided it. And then the, the second goal where he bullied off one defender, took a touch, and then put it in the back of the net. Like sometimes yeah. bullied, bullied semi a giant, didn't he? Bullied semi a giant. And bear in mind, he's about six foot five and built. So yeah. I just think that there's a there's a player that's 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 got such quality up there in that front three. I agree with you, Tom. That he needs a bit more service. And you look at like our formation at the moment, you would probably say that in terms of like real quality, like Coyle's got a few good crosses in him, right? But I think that 
in terms of real quality, the only person that was really provided in that was Pelkas, who's now injured for three months, and Tufan mm. when he's when he's on song, but often he's not. So at the moment, there's not really anybody that can provide anything for him, and I think that's the thing. But having said that, a lot of the goals that he scored were made off his own back, the ones that he got mm. at the start of the season. So where's yeah. that player gone? And Rossini needs to find him. Yeah, Same but I do guess. think there was times in the Sunderland game where there was there was chances to play him through. And we're just not taking it. Instead of playing him, the direct ball through, we're looking wide again, like all the time. Mm. Like, yeah. I saw there was loads of times we're looking to Longman instead of and looking to Slater. But there was there was points where we could just play the ball through, and we choose yeah. we choose not to. And I think that's the sort of chance that he needs, running bearing down on goal. And then you know he's had a few snapshots here and there, but he's not had any real service. I don't think in the recent weeks. And that <laughs> penalty was like a great chance for him to sort of build his confidence a bit and maybe let him go into the next game instead he's going down with his confidence lower than ever because he thinks so yeah. he's missed that penalty now he needs to just sort of get his get that goal mm-hmm. you know it's, it's like he's coming as a new striker again and he needs to get his first goal even though he's already scored yeah, eight no season. i agree with that yes. yeah. i agree with it that. is like that yeah, yeah. It, it's so frustrating though isn't it because uh i mean it's a bit of a throwback to earlier in the season when we said we need to the injured players back desperately um, you know, Pelcast came back because wasn't he injured to begin with, and he's gone out again. So, yeah, I yeah. think pre-season we had two fan Tete, Alia, and Oscar, and um, you know, I think those four when they were playing, they got the best out of each other on the counter attack. But you know, especially that game against Norwich and Coventry, where you know we won those games, but we didn't really have the ball. So yeah, but then now we're more of a possession-based team, and that doesn't seem to be getting the best out of the players we've got. Um, we, you know, even the ones who miss, aren't injured, we we miss Admanesh so much. Like yeah. the, the way he stretches yeah. the game, and it's it, so it, it, yeah. yeah, and I think that that's the thing about him is that he's going to pull defenders to areas they don't want to be in. He's actually a really good sort of goal scorer. You know, his position has been a striker when he's been in sort mm. of Iran and over in Turkey as well. He's a type of player that can just that is that can cause defenders a lot of problems, and I think that we just lack that real genuine pace going forward sometimes i think that often when it's slow it just feels like there's nobody that's going to make that run that's going to like cause a left back or right back problems it's almost like the defense that we play against can kind of get their shape and we're relying on a, a neat ball from seri or, or two fan or somebody to, to unlock their defense when you sometimes you just need somebody to run in behind and cause them a load of trouble i think sadness was brilliant for us at the start yeah. of the season and again that opened things up for for tete and particularly oscar to make a bit yeah. more of what um, what was available to him, so he'll be a massive plus when he gets back. I'm not sure when yeah. he's. I don't know he's in training. I think he's about. I think he's about. I think his new I year's. Ender John, to be Ender John, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think but somewhere I think, in there, but yeah. he'd be great for us. I, I think with Ali as well, he's not only good going forward, stretching defence, he's also good defensively. You see him tracking back. Yeah, and he played wing back at he, some yeah. point, didn't he? Yeah, and yeah. Like he was our man of the match when he played wing back, and it's probably the first time in his career he's played there. And that just shows the sort of player mm. he is. He's willing to play anywhere for the team, graph for the team, add quality. Yeah. And I think he's only what twenty-one years old as well. He can only get mm. better. I think that signing has he's been a step. I think, yeah, was yeah. I think four million or something, something ridiculous. Mm. I think that's that's a steal for him, considering yeah, how good he can get to. Yeah. You you looking just quickly dropping back to the World Cup? If you'd have put him. In, in one of in one of the, in the Iranian team, like he'd have been the best player on the pitch, like just in terms of his, his what he brings, Maybe. the excitement. In my opinion, like the excitement that he brings. Maybe apart from that, Asmoon, Asmoon, yeah, I mean he was good. Here. Yeah, but I just think that there's he would have added a real quality to that team as well. And like you talk about, you know, you build his your profile at the World Cup. I mean, look at McAllister at Brighton. I mean, he's got Man United thinking about eighty million signing for him. Like he's a good yeah. player, but he's not he's not world. He's not that. Yeah. It, well, well, he is him, a world beater. Okay, I was just about to say he is a world beater because he just won the World Cup. But yes. him on his own is not a world beater. And if he, you know, he's a he's a great player and he's shown a lot in the World Cup. But he's not. But that's the thing. We just need to get him back, um, Alia back, and I think that'll make a big difference up front. And hopefully that'll yeah. help Oscar score a few goals. I think we might need to redefine world beater because I don't think he's just won a World Cup to be dismissed like that. Poor guy. Also, Nathaniel, he doesn't give a flying you-know-what about what I think. A boy from Wakefield, like, he doesn't care what I think. He's won a World Cup, I'm sat in a six-pound fleece. Do you know what I mean? That's the, that's the difference between, <laughs> that's the difference between me and him. No, it's a charity show. I don't know where it's from, but no. it's... Uh, yeah, that's that's the difference. That. But, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, as I say, I think Ali uh, would be a real, real plus when he gets back. 
I think yeah, that's well, the two players that we miss the most. Like just like you said, they're stretching defenses. And that's a lot of the football we play is in front of the defense. But if you have someone that stretches, you that you automatically push forward as a team. And that's how we can get more possession than the opposition are. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so frustrating that not only were they uh, injured for us, but we couldn't see them at the World Cup because Andy are against England would have been a really good thing to watch. Um, I guess the last thing about the Sunderland game, it's not a, a massive point, but um, they switched uh, around which paths they uh, attacked um, each end. They um, attacked, City attacked the north end, um, north stand in the second half. I don't think that made any difference. I think, again, that was probably just something like... Uh, Oh, you know, things aren't going well. We'd prefer to attack the north end, but really that's just um, aesthetics, isn't it? It's Being not an really going to change anything. Being an Arsenal member, I was happy with the uh, hmm. change. To be, I, I prefer attacking the end that you sat, you know, second half. Oh, yeah. But I think, yeah, but yeah. I think obviously South would say the opposite. But I don't think it will change and anything and to the team. I'll, I'll jump in here. The most successful portion of this, of this club's history has been attacking the South Stand in the second half, lads. So, I mean, a season ticket all yeah. for 10 years and saw some of the most amazing yeah. goals. Myler, Myler against Liverpool. You know, we're talking about... Myler um, against Sunderland, FA Cup as well. Yeah, yeah FA Cup. Yeah. Talk about the goals against... Um, the second goal against uh, Cardiff in the last game of the season when we yeah. went up. As a, as a true South Stander... You've got to play that way in the second half. Is is um, yeah, that's, to be fair, yeah, that's just I was I was South Stand member from 2015, and then till yeah. till now. So obviously, if I was still sat there, I'd, I'd bonnet was to be tacking yeah. south. But Selfish now, moved, not, yeah, now I moved to north. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, mm. to swap. But yeah. yeah, so I just thought that was worth mentioning, although probably not. Um, but I think <laughs> sh- shall we discuss a little bit about the January transfer window and our our aims and uh, what we need there? I'll start with we those got? and well, we, we've got however long we want, really, but um, or until the thirty first of January, I guess. Um, Thirty one by the time we finish this, then Jesus. Mm. Uh, I'll start with Tufan, um, who was linked away to Syria um, a few weeks ago during the World Cup. Um, I think he's our now our second top goal scorer. He scored against uh, Sunderland. Hopefully, we can start to see the the best of him again. Hopefully, that will give him a lift. And I think he he played relatively well off the bench. Um, sort of Frank Lampard is arriving in the box like he did and scoring. So <laughs> Tufan and Lampard in the same sentence. The final love yeah. that, mate. I, I, I never thought I'd hear that. I, I, oh, oh my god. Oh. Uh, Lampard could probably run more than two fan would tracking back, um, even at his age, uh, at the moment. But uh, I mean, is he worth keeping around? Then I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's two yeah. fan is one of Rossini's biggest sort of projects. Can he get the best out of two fan? Yeah. Because I think we all see it in pockets. These bits of quality, and we all think, you know what? He's you know he's brilliant. Yeah. Like, some of the goals he scored, some of his some of his link up plays, just excellent. He's very clever. Yeah. So it's just about trying to get the best out of him consistently, not just game to game, but like during a full 90 minutes. Because sometimes he's the type, well, he is the type of player, like Robert Corrin kind of used to be, where there'd be moments where he'd be brilliant and you'd think, wow, he's amazing. And then he just ghost away from games mm. like he wasn't there. Grzycki, maybe? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah, got the quality. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's just about making sure that we've got a player that can do that. I think we've mm. invested quite a lot in him. I think yeah. that he's somebody that, has has got real quality, plenty of international caps, plenty of experience at the top level. Why would you not keep somebody of that quality? I mean, what do we gain from from selling him? Uh, I don't think too much. You know, we may get a bit bit money, but this owner looks like he's got you know deep pockets. So it's the type of player that you want to keep in your team if you want to you know push up the league because he's ultimately going to be the one that's going to create and and hopefully make a few few happy memories scoring goals for City. So yeah, absolutely keep two fan. Yeah, yeah. cool. And then of course, the, thing uh, two, the thing is with Tufan, I think it's where I, I you know we played him sort of deep sometimes, but I think his best position is definitely behind the striker. I think, yeah, I, I don't think, you can, I think if you put him deep, you know, as a playmaker, he can, he can affect the game, but not as much as he would if he was playing in behind the striker. And I think if he's once, like I say, once Ali Armour and Setti are back, I think that's when you could see the best of him because he's got <laughs> sort of them, them wingers that are direct that can free and you know. He's, obviously, his, his best qualities are arriving into the box, I think, and finishing off chances when, you know. The way I see him, he's a luxury player, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense. I, I said if that as well. Yeah. If, yeah, if you're a top quality side and you have him in your team, he'll work wonders for you because you've got 
runners that are going to help him out, right? We've got a team of runners, which is great, but he's the only bit of real, real quality that I have, apart from Seri, that we've mm. got sort of towards that end of the pitch at the moment. So when you play him, you almost you need him to do more. And that's what the point I'm trying to make is that you need to do more in the game to justify him being played. And that's what Rossini has got to do. Because as I say, there's a lot of games in the championship that you can't afford to have one player that's not doing X amount in a game because you're just going to fall short. So he needs to um, be more um, consistent, more involved in the play. Because when he is involved, we look good. Like It's exciting. And you feel as though when he's on the ball, as you say, Tom, just behind the striker, there's there's something that's going to happen. Just needs to yeah. be more consistent for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So um, one player that's already left um, and is, you know, surely the, the first of many to leave, along with maybe Smith or Randall Williams, those sort of people, um, is Andy Cannon. I don't think we've mentioned him leaving on the podcast, but he's gone to Wrexham um, to Ryan Reynolds, and uh, I don't think there's much to say. He, he wasn't even in the squad officially, uh, but good luck to him. I think uh, National League is probably his level. Um, I think part of January will probably be sort of getting rid of the the deadwood that McCann signed on freeze uh, last year because um, you know all good people that you know probably have good careers but probably not at this club. So um, but that I think the players that are leaving are, are fairly uh, you know um, obvious. But what positions do we need to get in? We've already said goalkeeper from Matt. Um, do we need a, another centre half because? Obviously, we do. How many centre halves do we need, Tom? Yeah, probably probably two. To be fair, yeah. at least. I, I mean, experienced centre half is what we're crying out for at the start of the season. Um, that, that's what we should look to target. I think you've got a very young defence, apart from Cyrus Christie and Louis Coyle, um, mm. and I think you need someone that's sort of experienced at this level um, to sort of come in and sort of slot in. in, in you know. Um, Maybe not even play every game, but sort of add that sort of leadership presence that we've missed. I think we do have, you know, likes of Louis Coyle as a leader, but surely if you've got a leader, you've got to have someone that has sort of played at a higher level mm-hmm. um, and sort of done it. Um, and I, I think obviously Louis Coyle is a local lad, but I think you need some another sort of captain sort of mm-hmm. material in there. And that's sort of the key, I think, area that we need to improve as well as uh, holding midfield as well. Yeah. Well, because Coyle is the captain, but he doesn't really play. So I guess we don't yeah. get his experience um, sometimes. And then uh, I guess Greaves has gone out to left-back. So maybe, I know McLaughlin and Jones are decent enough, but Figueredo is a bit of a liability. So maybe that's why we need at least yeah. one centre-half. But uh, Matt, I mean, Tom said it, we need a defensive midfielder. We really need someone in the sort of mould of, of Smallwood because Seri is good on the ball, but he doesn't get stuck in enough, does he? See, when you said that, I kind of thought, I agreed. And then I'm just thinking on that. So who 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 would he replace in that team? Hmm. Well, I'm but, not but, sure because I, I don't think you can take Seri out because of his quality. And then I, oh. I think at times you've been, they've sort of, I, I look at it as if you can't play Seri without Woods because Woods does the tackling for him. But, you know, them combined yeah. are good, but really you want someone who's as you know does both those roles. So you'd have to replace two of them almost, um, in a way. It's, if you could find someone better, it's a real tricky one because you actually look at our midfield options. You've got Doc Slater, Seri, um, Woodsy, um, hmm. and two fan. You, you, fan arguably that can sit in there He's as well. Attacking is more. Yeah, so I would say you probably got four players that are mm-hmm. kind of there. The thing about it is, Greg has been an attacking midfielder most of his career. He's had to drop back just because of the style of play. Um, mm-hmm. Woods kind of played more attacking for Birmingham when he was there. Seri also played more attacking when he was at another club, like when he was when he was yeah. out in Turkey before when he was in France. Yeah, and so <clears throat> Slate is the only one who would, you would kind of think is a CDM, but actually he's not really because he's, he's playing on the wing now, isn't he? He's playing, he's been playing on the wing and he's scored quite a few goals and he's, he's looked good sort of going forward. So it's a really tricky one. I think that you are actually right. I think there needs to be a player that is literally there to hold. And that is it. I think that that, you know, Richie Smallwood is too slow for this league and mm. people can say otherwise, but he is. We need, to, I agree that we need to have somebody in the squad that can do that. 
I'd be surprised if they were to get in straight away unless it's somebody of real quality. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a really tricky one. I, I, I don't know if it's just a case of Prasenia trying to get more out of the players we've already got because I, I, I personally think we need more in other positions than we do a holding midfielder. Uh, that's just my take on it. I think we need. I think I said I think we need two centre halves. Figueredo can go anywhere other than the MKM. Lock the door. Like don't let him in. Um, bit of a liability, said Nathaniel. Jesus, like he makes Putting me look thing. like Maldini, and I'm terrible. Mm. So it, it, it's it's a really it's really frustrating because he he's he's the the other one that talked about it earlier about the individual mistakes and the little things that just provoke oh, it's mostly him. The team. It's him, it's him every time. Yeah. So it's just that's the thing that annoys me. So like yeah, we went and he was the one who was supposed to come in and bring experience. Like he was the yeah. one who was like yeah. twenty eight. He was no nonsense. Forest, no nonsense. In pre-season, I thought I love this guy putting his head everywhere. Yeah. That was great. And then he's just, as the games have gone on, he's frustrated, I think, a lot of Hull City fans. And I, I completely agree with Tom. I said a couple of podcasts ago, we need someone like Michael Dawson in there. You know, somebody who's like mm. that sort of player, you know, towards the end of his career when he came in and he just assured the team, came in and then he was made captain and just is able to play the passes that Rossini wants him to play. We need somebody like the equivalent of that in this team right now. I think that would really mm. settle the defence. Look, look how um, look how good Maguire got when he was next to Dawson, like learning yeah. from him. I think that's that's the sort of play we need to bring on the likes of McLaughlin and Greaves. Um, but on the sort of, you know, it's obviously the holding midfield point, um, Adam Ashayor is the forgotten man, and I think he was <laughs> sort of that player brought in that was going to be playing next to Seri, I think, in midfield. And then obviously two fans just a bit ahead. Yeah, but yeah. I think Adama Traore is someone, obviously, once he is back from injury, that's someone, I don't think, I don't know when he's back, to be fair, but I think he's out for the season, so. But definitely I think, I think he'll yeah, have January, season. won't he? I think he'll be with Tete, Alia and, and Traore, yeah. or they'll be sort of January signings or but I think he's, February. But I think he's someone that can come into the team, add that energy that we need next to mm. Seri, and the energy tackling. Um, obviously, he's, he's great going forward as well, but I think yeah. he was signed originally to play an accessory. That's why mm-hmm. we, you know, we got the deal done. But Well, it was two fans, Seri, uh, Trio, yeah. midfield that, that was, everyone yeah. was talking about. Yeah, and then the we've not seen it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, a lot of the times we've not even seen two fan or Seri um, in the same team or just the one of them. So, yeah, really, the, this team that we uh, envisaged um, with the signings hasn't really come to fruition, has it? Um, and then I've got here... Because um, Burnsy was saying on the commentary, and I'm not really sure I agree that we need another striker or, or two. I think they, they, he says that anytime we're not winning. But uh, I mean, Tete and Ale are will be back. We've got Oscar, who's you know, second top goal scorer in the league, which is you know that's a fact. Surely he'll come good at some point. And thinking Longman's done a job, so I don't know where a space for a striker would be. And plus, they still wouldn't get any service. So um, what other positions? Could we get if, if you know, other than centre back or centre defensive midfield? Because I don't know about striker. I I think that what Burnsy may mean by that is not necessarily somebody who's like an out and out striker, mm. but then somebody who's like an Aliyez, Simonesh, where he is just like he can play there, but he's just like just someone bursting with pace, like yeah. I mentioned earlier, someone to just stretch that team because, you know, it, we don't look that's exciting. What we're like. That's where we yeah. lack the pace, and that's what we've lost with Ali Arantete, like the the sort of like physicality and pace, and you know, because they're both quite quick. Exactly. And you know, you look at Longman, and he's he's not a quick player. Um, he's someone that can drive at an opposition defence, but he's not someone that's going to beat a man. I don't think. Mm. Um, whereas in a Slater as well, I think he's good when he's sort of in the attacking fair, but he's not quick either. Um, trying to think of else, two fans not quick really. So you've got a team there that struggles to stretch the opposition, and that's where. If you're going to play this possession system, you need someone that can just stretch a defence because otherwise you're just sort of playing in front of them and defenders having it so easy. Yeah, yeah, I totally, yeah. I totally agree, Tom. I totally agree. I was yeah. exactly the point I was going to make. Exactly the point I was going to yeah. make. Somebody to stretch, just like said, Manesh, who can really come in and and, and do that job because um, I think that if you leave Oscar on his own up there without any sort of person just to like even just link up with him. From a, from a point of view, when you're going forward, somebody to make that run that's going to open up the space for Oscar to then take a touch around the defender and score, just to put that doubt in people's minds. Like one of the goals the other day in the World Cup final, 
Um, I think, I think, or maybe it was a semi-final with Alvarez and he went through and he just absolutely yeah. gunned towards goal, a couple of deflections and then it went in. You know, that was great, but it was, it was a supporting runner. I don't know who it was that was just open and the defenders were all like thinking, oh, he's going to pass there, which he maybe should have done. And he didn't, but it caused, mm. it caused that doubt in the defender's mind. At the moment, you look at us going forward, like who's joining Oscar if there's a counter-attack? Who's, who's, who's doing that? None of them. And it's yeah. not the fault of the players because they're not the type of players to do that. But that's why I think January is important because we need to buy a player who's just like that, who's gonna, who's been mm. playing that way their whole career, or they're a young player who's like that's his main sort of attribute. I just think that's a really important key to what um, to what we need like, in January. It's like Harvey Vale. Like, what do you think to him? Like, he was. I think he caught. He sort of came in as that sort of player that could have been that <laughs> sort of quick winger, but he's not really materialised like that. And We've not seen him, really. have we? Yeah. I think no, um, he's, he's been here against Sunderland, but uh, I think mm. it's it's harsh, but it's one of them where it's not worked out, um, and I'm not sure whether we can sort of like rely on him to sort of drag us through where we are now. I think he's that sort of player that could come in in January and sort of make a difference in a team that's doing well. But when you're, you're struggling at the bottom, you don't yeah. see the best of him because you know ultimately there's a lot of time where we don't have mm. the ball, so or we haven't had the ball, you know, so so yeah. There's a um, there's a young French lad who would have been who could be useful for. I know Adjun was at the World Cup final, but he's got a hat trick in the World Cup final. Uh, yeah. And I think with sort of Allier and then Oscar and maybe Mbappe on that other side, mm-hmm. we could really start to kind of push up with the league a little bit. What do you think, boys? Well, I, I, actually, I think um, I think this other guy, the uh, short little Argentine uh, forward, I think he'd oh, work yeah. better. Or maybe Mbappe yeah. and him on the other side. And that long, long, long man in the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, McAllister, yeah, but he's not a world beater. So I no, no, yes. I was talking about in a messy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd take McAllister. I would certainly take McAllister. Um, so the next match, another game at the MKM, uh, which will be 20 years old uh, again. Um, Blackpool 22nd, we're 21st. Basically almost a relegation six-pointer in a way. Um, although, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think we'll get relegated, but I've been wrong before. Um, and we are over halfway through the season, so I think... If you don't start picking up wins, um, you know, even though we've got injuries and, and you know the things we we're complaining about, if we don't start picking up wins in these sort of games, we will be in an actual relegation battle. So, uh, is it a must-win? I, I don't think it's a must-win <clears throat> at this no. stage of the season. Yeah, I don't. Well, th- I think I think this season we perform better against the teams that are better than the sort of the ones that are around us. Yeah, but I would be disappointed if that's we get most, three points. That's most but, teams, though, isn't it? Yeah, like I, most I teams are better than the teams around us because we're rubbish. Yeah, but, no, I mean, I would be disappointed if we get the three points. But if we got a draw, I wouldn't be. For, I wouldn't be like. Uh, I'd be for senior out. Yeah. We're going down. I would be like throwing the kitchen sink at people or something. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not a must win, but you know, we, we've got to win it. Yeah. I think. It's not a, not an official <laughs> must win. No, no game is a must win except you know if you're. If like, it was forty, if it was forty games into the season. Oh, well, yeah. definitely. Yeah, Although I think we'd probably already be down if we had 26 points. With, uh, no, but I mean, if, <laughs> it was position, if it was like a point or two above the relegations, then, then I'd be yeah. very worried. But but uh, how do we see this one going? Are, are we going to finally get a home win? Because at home we have been pretty dire. It's one win in nine now at home. But are we confident? So I stay pretty quiet then, which is rare for me. Mm. You boys say this is not a must win. That's another, That's one of the main reasons why we must win, because we've got to stop this horrible run of, of losing or yeah. drawing games at home. It's, it's yeah. you know, you're built, you're built on your home form and the, and the away wins and a few draws help, right? We've got to win against Blackpool. It's, for me, it's a must win because... Rossini has had the you know a couple of a couple of decent results, but like you know we've got to get a win where it's just like I just want a game where we just win like three nil, get, get, just dominate get, get the monkey off the back a bit, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah and we're gonna get Oscar yeah. scoring two it. goals, and so also some so yes, the results are massive, but it's just just the overall thing. Get a few confidence bits yeah, in that yeah. Oscar then might start firing again. Rossini is trusting his attacking players going forward. They get a bit more confidence. You know, we we put a little bit of a gap between us. And the bottom, the bottom sort of three before Christmas, before uh, it's, yeah. it's, well, over Christmas. Well, to be fair, sorry. I do, um, I do think over the Christmas period, it's imperative that we do sort of get oh. the three points, and then we could push mm-hmm. on towards Birmingham, Wigan. I think in terms of that, it's a period where we need to start winning 
um, just so we can get that momentum. If we like lost the game, I think we're going to them next two games within the space of a week. Mm. You know, you, you go there with low confidence. Uh, yeah, it's a good chance game, to yeah. get momentum, isn't it? Certainly. Massive, massive chance. Team in 22nd. Sorry, Nathaniel, yeah. to cut you off, mate. I don't mean to. I just I just think that it's, like I say, uh, you know, not going into Christmas, but going on Boxing Day, getting getting that result against a team that are right next to us. We've got no quality. Like when we went to we went to their place, you know, we tore them apart and they, you know, they had a few injuries, but they didn't, they looked like a, a nothing side. It's, it's yeah. a game that I think Rossini needs to, to basically say to the fans, look, we've worked for a month away. I've had a few decent results. I've come back, got a couple of draws. Okay. Right, fair enough. Mm. Got to win against Blackpool for me. Got to win. Yeah. So, can we agree on a um, must not lose? Yeah, must not yeah, lose. Yeah. yeah, we'll agree Good on that, and then we'll get beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I'm going, and it's you know Christmas spirit. It's a, it's a, mu- a must not lose against Blackpool, and uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be a good match, is it? It's probably going to be nil nil or something. So, I mean, I hope not, but I really hope not. But I think that might be my prediction, just to. To not jinx it. So, uh, Tom, what about you? Prediction for the Blackpool match? Oh, it's putting me on the spot here. Um, I think... Come on, tell me. You know what to two do, one, mate. 3-0. 2-1 win. 2-1 win. 2-1? Nice. 2-1, yeah. So, we're not going to win? Okay. And what about so, you, Matt? Yeah, I predicted 1-1 one, one against Sunderland. So. Mm. Oh, okay. Prediction you get points there. for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not right. keeping track. No. But... I'm... I'm gonna go three nil, mate. I'm gonna go three nil. Uh, to you who? Know what? <laughs> good question. <laughs> it's a good point. Oh god, I hope it's the home side. I just yes. the worst game of football I've ever seen was Blackpool away on New Year's Day. I got a horrible nil nil. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. I was there as well. We are oh mate. Uh, well, so you know, we, mate. We I was, the, I was the, one of the call. Well, I was one of the coldest I've ever been. As long as that was burning was, away. T- Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Oh my so god! Bad. It was the worst game of. It was like there's more sand on the pitch than more grass. Like they had a, a bloke yeah. come on the pitch at half time in a mobility scooter with a little flag in protest against the owners of Blackpool because the stadium's yeah. falling down. They had a temporary stands put the away fans. It's terrible. So hopefully it's not the same situation on Monday mm. on Boxing Day. So I'm going to go confidently say we're going to win three nil. I'm going to say Oscar gets the monkey off his back and he gets two <coughs> goals. And then mm. two fan finishes it off and does what he does usually where he scores towards the end of a game. So I'm going to go 3-0 Tigers. Merry mm. Christmas. That's about... Well, if he was going on the betting odds, that's about 500 to 1, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. And I'm more than happy to have yeah. that over Christmas as well. Yeah. <laughs> that. that. That'd be a good, a good return, wouldn't it? Certainly. Um, well, I certainly won't be betting on a, a, a whole 3-0 win. Um, yeah, what are you saying, mate? But, uh, I mean, I hope we win, but I'm not hugely confident um if if we give them the ball a lot then we've got a better chance of winning um i i've looked and uh, the only home game we've won this season which is I and mean, it's not many of those uh where we've had more of the ball uh was against bristol and um, the first match and then um even the wigan game which uh you know i thought we played very well in our most recent home win we had less of the ball um, we've had 70 percent 68 65 percent possession in some of the previous games and We've we've still lost or, or drawn, so um, maybe if we you know change tactics up a bit, and uh, you know just let Blackpool kick it around there for the first half for a bit, maybe we can win in the second half. But uh, I'm going to go officially nil nil. I think just just to avoid oh, the jinx. What a Scrooge, mate! Nil nil. Come on. Well, technically Boxing Christmas Day will producer. be over by that point. Nah, so. but Boxing Day produces goals though, and you're going nil nil. Oh uh, well, yes, it's is it nineteen thirty three uh, or something where, uh, that, where they bring goals. up they bring up the graphic every year like nineteen seventy four yeah ten ten yeah. ten and all that great great stuff so uh, yeah well thanks for everyone for joining us um, have a lovely Christmas if we're not if we don't do another episode before then don't suppose we will at least about the city maybe we'll do one on Thursday about the World Cup and the overview of the Qatar World Cup but. Matt and Tom, thanks for me. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back soon, hopefully after a delicious three um, 0 win for Hull, as Matt said. But uh, I doubt it. So thanks again, and Merry Christmas. You all away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.